0: Well, over 200,000 Germans lost their lives in their failed attempt to take Moscow in the winter of 1941-1942. And how did Hitler react to this failure? By assuming personal, day-to-day operational command of the army, brushing aside some of the world's finest military experts, and in their place, Hitler would pore over the maps himself and make vital strategic decisions alone. One of the men nearest him throughout much of the war was General Alfred Jodl, chief of operations of the OKW, which is kind of the, higher, the highest command of the Wehrmacht. He reflected on the Fuhrer style, quote, if there's anything that clearly demonstrates the revolutionary character of Hitler's method of military leadership, it is, listen to this, that he did not concede to his military working staff the OKW, and within it the operations staff, he would not concede the role of strategic advisor. All attempts I undertook in this direction failed. Hitler was willing to have a working staff that translated his decisions into orders, which he would then issue as Supreme Commander of the Wehrmacht, but nothing more. He did not care to hear any other points of view. If they were even hinted at, he would break into short-tempered fits of enraged agitation. Remarkable, and for soldiers, incomprehensible conflicts developed out of Hitler's almost mystical conviction of his own infallibility as a leader of the nation and of the war. End quote. When Hitler swung back toward Russia in the spring of 42, his own generals tried to dissuade him from it, but he refused their counsel. Convinced, like the lunatic that he was, of his own infallibility, Hitler ignored all attempts to reason with him, to strategize, to think through the implications and the timing and the resources with those very men who knew it best. And as many historians have concluded, Hitler, the consummate fool, lost the war. Hitler should have listened to wise counsel. The Proverbs are clear in Proverbs 24, 6. By wise guidance, you can wage your war. And in abundance of counselors, there is victory. Now, the senseless life of, loss of life notwithstanding, this is one of those uh, cases where we can all be thankful that there are fools around who don't follow good advice. We're into our summer series in the Proverbs, and we're looking this week on exactly that, on taking or getting good advice. We've been looking through this series this summer at the various ways the Proverbs gives us exceptionally good, practical, sound advice that we can apply to our lives that will, if we follow it, lead us to experience more of the goodness that God intended us to experience. And if we want to experience the good life that God intended, we need to be willing to get Good advice. To learn from others. To grow in wisdom and understanding. And as we've seen through the Proverbs time and time again, there's contrast set up between those who are willing to follow the way of wisdom, in this case, listen to good advice, and those who won't. In Proverbs 19.20, our key verse for today, which was, I think, handed to you on a card when you came in, take good counsel and accept correction. That's the way to live wisely and well. Another one, Proverbs 15, 22 says, Without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors, they succeed. I think if you could take all the teaching that the Proverbs gives us on getting good advice, you could summarize it in this statement. The more advice we take, the better decisions we make. So, purchasing a house for the first time, you want to get some good advice, right? Want to learn how to butcher a chicken? You want good advice. Trust me on that. Having trouble with your 16 year old daughter? You want some advice, don't you? You need some advice. Trying to get into better physical shape? Some good advice will help you. Struggling to make ends meet? Good advice will go a long way. The more advice we take, the better decisions we make. But we don't always get good advice, do we? We don't always want good advice. I mean, even when it's obvious, there's times when it's just so clear, maybe to everyone even around you, that you need some input. You need someone to come along and give you some guidance. We resist getting good advice. And that got me thinking, why? Why do we resist it? Why is there something within us that resists getting good advice? And so I thought about it for a while, and I mused on it. And then I decided I'd turn to that source of all knowledge, Facebook, and I put the question out to all my friends. I said, why do we resist getting good, good advice? And I got a lot of response. It was tremendous. We had quite a discussion online of all the reasons, the many reasons that we resist getting good advice. So thank you to all of those who responded. So then I put together my top 10 list. Top 10 reasons why we resist getting good advice. And today, I gave you extra space for notes in your, in your, in your program. Because you might want to write some of this down. Unless you just don't want a good advice. And then, well, well, I'll just go on. So top ten reasons we resist getting good advice. The first one is we resist getting good advice because we don't want to admit that we need help. This one came out very clearly. Like, we just don't want to admit it. And let's call that for what it is, folks. What is it? Pride, right? Yeah, it's pride. We don't want to admit that we need help. You know, and, and you know, whether it's parenting, whether it's finances, whatever area it is in your life where you just, I don't want to admit I need help. That's pride. It stops us. We resist getting good advice because we don't want to admit it. The second one is kind of similar, and that is that we feel foolish having to ask for advice. Like, we kind of feel dumb about it. How many of you have been in that position? Well, you really do know, I mean, you're willing to admit you need help, but, you just feel so stupid and so foolish asking, I'm just going to bear my soul to you today. I've had a very stressful experience trying to raise bees. Okay? Kept me a, I mean, I'm kidding you not. Nothing else on my farm kept me awake at night but those stinking bees. And there are thousands of them and they're like buzzing in my head all night. Okay? And and so, uh, I'm telling you this now as in the spirit of confession that I resisted getting good advice because... It felt foolish. I felt foolish. I didn't know what I was doing. I felt foolish that I'd let it go on too long. I felt foolish just because I looked at those bees, and I didn't know what to do, and I felt, oh, man. And uh, eventually I lost them, of course. Now I can blame something else for that, but I'm sure it's because I didn't get good advice. So next year, I committed to Tennille last week. We're getting bees next year, and darn it, I'm going to be begging everybody for good advice. Jim, Whitwell, anyone I can track down, neighbors, friends, I am going to get over this, you know, feeling foolish for asking for advice, and uh, I'm going to pollinate my garden. That's the second reason. Number three, reasons why we resist getting good advice is we're afraid that people will tell us to do something we don't want to do. Can I get an Amen. Because there's lots of times when, you know, I saw a quote last week, um, you're free to take my advice because I'm not using it right now, right? (laughs) Because we often know what we're supposed to do, and we really don't want someone to tell us that. Because then we're really without an excuse, right? Ah, man. We don't actually maybe really want to change, but we really like complain about it. A great example would be our finances, where we kind of know, oh, my goodness, I need help with this, but we really don't want to make the changes that it would require. Number four, we've waited too long to ask for advice, and now things really are a mess. You know, we it's like we're, we're past the point of no return. And I've got to think, I know I've talked about this a lot before, I've got to think that it really applies a lot of times to marriage, where we really should have got lots of premarital counseling, or maybe we really should have been on top of some of those things, but we've let them go, and we've let them go, and we've let them go, and now things really are a mess. In fact, they're such a mess that it's hard to imagine them getting better, and so we don't even try. When's the best time to diagnose cancer, anyone? Is it late in the game, or is it early on? Yeah, it's early on, right? And marriage is just like that. And so if we can get advice early, but often we've waited too long and so now things really are messed. Number five, we're convinced that things will eventually just work out on their own. Right? If I just hold, I mean if I just try, and do I, need to, do I need to ask anyone if you remember the definition of insanity, which is what? Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting what? a different result, right? But there's times where we don't get a good advice. We think, if I just hold in a little longer, sure, certainly things will all work out. Number six, we don't want to bother people. The busy people around us. We just don't want to bug them. We don't think our issues are big enough. We, 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 whatever excuses we come up with, they look around and we think, well, I don't want to bug people with my issue. I don't, want to, I don't want to rope people into that conversation. Whatever it is. Number seven, we want to make decisions quickly. And getting good advice usually takes time. And there's times in our lives we've made decisions really rapidly, really really quickly, right? And slowing down enough to take that good advice is something we're just not willing to do because we already feel like that's the direction we need to go. And sometimes we dress it up in spiritual language and say, God is calling me to do that. God is calling me to do this. And you say, well, but you didn't mention that last week to me when we talked. Oh, I hadn't even thought of it last week. Oh, Okay. I think you've got to slow it down. Well, that's one of the reasons maybe we want to make decisions quickly and getting good advice takes time. Number eight, we don't trust the advice we're getting. This, this is a funny one because maybe it falls into the category of I've asked for advice before and it was terrible. Like I actually did what they said and it didn't work. Or, or maybe it falls into the category of somebody's feeling overwhelmed by competing ideas. Like you're looking for advice on X. I didn't want to use illustrations of this one. And everybody's got an idea about what you should do, but they don't all agree. In fact, it seems like for some of these things, there can be strongly polarized competing options for what you should do, and you can feel very overwhelmed by that. So we may not trust the advice we're getting. Uh, number nine, uh, we really do think we're smarter than everyone else. Okay, I'll go on. Uh, and, and then number ten... We don't think there's a problem. Like, there's just sort of a denial going on. Maybe everyone around you knows. They can point it out. Well, they maybe don't. But they could point it out to you. But you don't even think there's a problem. We don't think there's a problem. Why would I seek advice for something that I don't need help with? I don't even... So there's a denial issue. I think those are ten reasons, maybe the top ten reasons, that we resist getting good advice. But where are you on this list? You don't have to shout that out, but where are you on the list, list? When you look at it, what are some of the, when you look at those top 10, what are some of them you can say, yeah, that's me. That's why I have resisted getting good advice. And when I think back to decisions I've made or or, or things that have really gone off the tracks, or whatever, or that's the one. That's why I didn't seek advice. And then let me ask you, are, is there anything you'd add to this? Cause just because I said top 10 doesn't mean they're the only 10, right? Is there anything you'd add to it? Reasons why maybe you've resisted? Or, you know, the person next to you in the pew has resisted getting good advice? Anyone? Wanna add to that? I'd like to say that it's a stupid mistake. Hmm. Isn't that true? Everyone heard that? Easier to answer answer a stupid question? It's easier to answer a stupid question than to correct a stupid mistake. Yes. Excellent. Thanks for that, Les. It's good. Terry. (coughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's okay, Terry. I'll clean it up after. (laughs) No, that's true, Terry. And I was thinking about, you know, we, one of the best things is we learn from our experience, right? Particularly bad experience. I mean, how many of you have learned from just doing something dumb? I did it dumb, I, I was stupid, and I've learned. But you know what's so much better than that? Learning from someone else's dumb decision. It's far less painful. It doesn't involve the same amount of ripping and tearing, and and you can think, wow. And a lot of times, that's what's going on. in The proverbs actually is saying, here, let me show you what happened with someone else when they did this. But sometimes we don't want it, We don't, we don't want that, or or we, we do we do find ways around that. But uh, learning from someone else's bad experiences can be a really great, uh, great experience. Okay, well we'll move on. So. We resist getting good advice. This is true. But the Proverbs are really clear about this, that if we want to be wise people, if we want to live wisely, if we want to experience the good things that God has in life, we need to seek good advice. Because fools don't. Fools just go on their merry way. They ignore it. They don't seek it. If we want to grow in wisdom, we need to overcome that resistance that's within us and seek Good advice, because you've got to remember, the more advice you take, the better decisions you make. So I want to be really practical today, and I want to just offer some guidelines for getting good advice, for seeking wise counsel. You all right with that? I gave you extra space to write this down, so you know it's up to you if you want to know. But here we are. I already gave you one top ten list. I'm going to give you a second one. Well, I don't know if it's top ten. Not about just ten. Ten basic guidelines for when you are the one seeking wise counsel. You Ready for this? First one, be honest about your motivations. I think this is one of the toughest things. That sometimes when we go seeking wise counsel, we go get, trying to get opinions, trying to, you know, we already kind of know what we want and we're really committed to a certain way or a certain direction or a certain idea. And I think we need to be willing to be honest of what's motivating us. Maybe I'm going to seek wise counsel because I really want to make a point to someone else. Or maybe I just am going because I want to find some allies for what I already want to do. I mean, what are the motivations that are underlying the decision itself, the the thing you're processing? What's going on inside? And that is very, very difficult. It's one of the reasons why we need others in our lives. Proverbs 20, verse 5 says, The purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but the one who has insight draws them out. We need people who have insight enough to draw out those deep purposes, those motivations that are going on. Again, that obviously takes time, takes relationships, takes, takes someone who's willing to walk with you. But this is really important when we're seeking good advice, that we are willing to be honest about our motivations. Number two, we need to find people that we can trust. People who really do love us. Not people who just don't care. But also people who love us enough to tell us the truth. The truth about our situation. The truth about us. People who are willing to be gracious but also give us insight. And obviously someone who's going to keep it confidential. Someone that you can truly trust so that you can you can actually sift through some of these motivations. You can actually get down to some of what's going on and know that this person is safe enough that they're not going to go and share it with someone else. They're going to keep it in confidence. Someone you can truly trust. We also need to find people, number three, who demonstrate wisdom in their lives. I think this is often, we think we've gotten good advice But really, what we've done is we've gone to other people that are sort of in our sphere who don't necessarily know much more than we do about it. I mean, they might. I'm not trying to belittle anyone's friends. But we can often go to someone, and what we end up doing is the pooling of ignorance rather than the sharing of wisdom. And I don't want to be judgmental, but why would I seek advice from someone, you know, for example, about my finances with someone who's just as broke as I am? Proverbs 14:7 says, "Leave the presence of a fool, for there you do not meet words of knowledge." There's an integrity factor here, and I think it's it's important to note that when I say people who demonstrate wisdom in life, I'm not I don't mean people who've done it perfectly. Obviously, that's not what I mean. I don't mean people that aren't even wrestling with it. I'm talking about people who have shown in their lives that they're applying truth, that they're moving forward with wisdom people who have learned from mistakes. I mean, some of the very best parenting advice I've ever received is from parents who've looked back at their parenting and said, whoa, I made some serious errors. And here's what I've learned. So I'm not talking about someone who's done it all perfectly, but someone who has been willing to uh, reflect, is willing to uh, think through what they've done, who's learned from their experiences and integrity factor there. People who have demonstrated wisdom in their lives. Number four, don't just look for someone to tell you what to do. Because some of us like that, right? We we kind of don't really want to process everything. We just want someone to give us direction. Just tell me what to do. Should I marry that guy or not? Should I go to that school or not? Should I quit my job or not? Just tell me what to do. And that's often the case with certain children. Other children would not do that to their parents. But certain children with their parents, they just want their parents to tell them, just tell me what to do. Some of you wish you had kids like that, but, you know, that can be the case sometimes where you just want the clear direction. Rather than just looking for someone to tell you what to do, look for people who will help you explore what you're thinking, what you're feeling, how God is speaking to you, how God has been revealing himself to you through the Bible, in worship and in prayer. How God is calling you. Get someone that can't, is, is gonna resist the urge because some people have, they would, they would love to tell you what to do. And, and try to get people that would resist that urge and instead would walk with you in exploring that. Number five, don't just ask people who will tell you what you want to hear. We all wanna hear someone say you're gonna make the right decision here. Go ahead and do that. But don't just get people Who will say, uh, you know, go for it, tell you what you want to hear. Get a cross section of people, look at people from different ages, different walks of life. It's the many counselors that their safety. Because we could, as I already said earlier, just go to those few people around us who only see things from the angle we're seeing them. They believe the story that we've told them. They may not they may not be able to see much beyond that. So we don't want to just ask those people who are going to tell us what we want to hear. We need to seek the wisdom of a larger demographic. Number six, I've already alluded to this, but we need to seek the counsel of Scripture. I mean, if you're a Jesus follower and you are facing big decisions, if you're facing a struggle at work, if you're trying to figure out how to parent your kid, if you want to get your finances in order, and somehow the Bible just stays on the shelf you are missing out on so much wisdom that God wants to pour into your life. And I don't just mean the kind of wisdom that just jumps off the page, here it is, here's the answer. But the kind of wisdom that works in us, that, that changes our hearts, that clears our vision. You need to seek the counsel of Scripture. Not just when you're facing decisions, but throughout our lives. So that at those critical moments when we're trying to decide, should I pursue that relationship? Should I move there? Should I, should I change vocations? That the wisdom of God is something that has been working within us through his scripture. So, so seek the counsel of scripture. Make reading scripture a regular part of your life. Memorizing it, taking it in, discussing it, studying it. This fall, we'll have opportunities for a few, a few months this fall to be involved in a, in a small group where you can get together with groups of people and study. And that's, that's a great way to do it. But to seek the counsel of Scripture. Number seven, allow God's Spirit to speak through others. Speak through Scripture, but also speak through others and be open to change. I think this is probably one of the the, the greatest things, is as we are wrestling with particular decisions and we're seeking wise counsel, are we open to hear what the Spirit is saying through others in such a way that we will actually do something different? Be open to change. Number eight, pay attention to resistance. Uh, maybe we're in a conversation with a few people about our decision, or or we're trying to process something that's going on in our lives, and, and something is said, and in our in our in our hearts, in our minds, we just feel ourselves pull back from it. We feel resistance from it. That is very very important to pay attention to that. Like what's going on there? It could be don't don't hear me wrong. It could be that the advice you're being given at that moment is wrong, and that the Holy Spirit within you is saying whoa. Step back from that. That person's crazy. It could be. But it also could be that I'm pulling back because this person is suddenly identifying something truthful that I don't want to hear. That that they're pulling something off that I've been kind of keeping covered for a long time. And now suddenly I'm feeling exposed and so I push back, even in my heart. Pay attention to the resistance and let the Holy Spirit guide you through that. Is there an area of sin or pride or selfishness? Is there something I need to repent from? What's going on? And again, lean into that and process that. Discuss that. Pray over that. Open yourself up to that. Number nine. Related, but invite these trusted people to help you identify blind spots. I think it's one of the greatest values of community, period. But one of the greatest values of bringing the many counselors in, the people that you can trust, who you surround yourself with, is because they can see things about you that you can't. We need that. Now, that's tough business, right? It's very tough to, first of all, who wants to be the person to identify or help identify the blind spot? You know, people get crucified for that kind of thing. Um, but also to to be opened up to that. It's tough stuff, right? So that's why I say you need to identify them. You need to tell them. You need to say, look, there might be something that you see as we discuss that I've been missing, and I give you permission to speak it into my life, to identify it. And then we'll process that, and we'll pray about it. But identify that, that blind spot. There's a guy named John Hayward said... There are none so blind as those who will not see, right? The most deluded people are those who choose to ignore what they already know. And sometimes that's a blind spot we're aware of. Sometimes it's a blind spot that we've been told before. Sometimes it's an area that we're unaware of, but we need people in our life who can identify it. Remember, that comes down again to trust. And the tenth one for for these basic guidelines is To develop an ongoing relationship with the kind of people who can actually give you that wise counsel. Who, you know, maybe through a process of discernment, we begin to identify, you know, there's that, that person, they might be a different generation than me. They might not be people I even naturally have spent time with, but I realize this person walks in the wisdom of God. They themselves are growing in wisdom. They are learning, they're reflecting, and their counsel is good counsel. And so maybe there's an invitation in there to develop an ongoing relationship with someone who might mentor you, who might provide wise counsel, someone that you can just walk with into life and the various things that come up and so that we can continue to get wise counsel. Well, those are 10, I think, basic guidelines for seeking wise counsel. There's probably a lot. I'm sure there's lots more. But I think if we'll follow some of those uh, we'll find ourselves finding wise counsel. But I think it's important to flip the question over because not only do we need to be willing to seek wise counsel, I think we need to be willing to give it. And as followers of Jesus, what we're talking about here is being the body of Christ, that each one of us have been given different, different uh, gifts, have had different experiences, that we need to help each other as we follow Jesus. You know, I might counsel you on a certain area in your life, But next week, I might really need you to give me your counsel on another area of my life. That's what it it means to be the body of Christ, to walk together, to be for each other and in each other's lives. So how do we give wise counsel to others? Well, I've already given you two lists of ten today, so I'm just going to go the whole way and give you a third, okay? Is that crazy? I never give you lists, but today you get three of them. I'm making up for lost time. And uh, maybe I should seek wise counsel afterwards for how to preach a sermon. Okay, so how do we give wise counsel to others? Here's ten principles that we can follow when we're the ones giving the advice. Number one, remember that while you are not the guru, your experience is still valuable. It's not useless. I say that because sometimes some of us like to be in the position of the guru. We kind of like to be that person people seek. And I think we're to be attentive to that because there can be a, a pride there that's unhelpful to you, but also unhelpful to the people you serve. But on the flip side, too many of you, and I, I, I know who some of you are, but I'm not going to call names, too many of you don't realize the value of your experience. And then us younger folk, can I say that? Still? I'm 41? Yes, I can. Um, some of us younger folk, we need you to be a little more confident that your experience is good and helpful and important for us. Like we need you to tell us what you did wrong and what you did right. And so your experience isn't useless. So, you know, we don't necessarily need you to be a guru, but we do need you to say, hey, this worked, this didn't. Let's talk. Your experience is really important, really valuable. I know that some of these are going to sound similar to the others, and obviously they should, so you'll hear it. But thinking of it now from giving wise counsel is more than just... Uh, it, it's more about helping people process than it is about giving direction. When people come to you, know that, you know, especially for some of us with more experience, we can feel like 10 minutes into the conversation, I already know what they should do. So if they would just shut up long enough, I would tell them. And if they would just do what I said, everything would be great. And you know what? That might be true. It really might be. But your role for someone who's seeking good advice from you, your role is really more about helping them process it, to think it through, to identify those areas of resistance, to to figure out what in the world they're thinking about or what's motivating, help them process. That's more what they need from you than just direction. Although there may be times when that's appropriate, it's more about helping people process. Number three, give the Holy Spirit room to speak and to move. It's not just your agenda. Sometimes we can have an agenda, right? When people come to us, we can think, well, I already kind of know what I want them to do. We can have an agenda for them. And I think we have to be reminded at times when we're the person giving advice that, you know, the Holy Spirit's in charge here, not my agenda. And I need to allow room. Room could be, let's meet more than once. Room could be just space in the conversation. Room could be more of an attitude of heart that we just let the Holy Spirit speak in this conversation. Through His Word, through us, through prayer. Number four: seek the Scripture yourself. Now, I hope this is true. If you're if you're following Jesus, that Scripture is a regular part of your life. And if you struggle with that, um, you need to seek wise counsel. We'll get you some help. But um, seeking Scripture for yourself, as someone, particularly if someone has come to you and they're wrestling with, you know, they're wrestling with a, a parenting dilemma or they're wrestling with a marriage struggle, or they're they're, they're just feeling so down about things at work, whatever it is, that you yourself, taking and hearing what's going on, that you yourself seek the counsel of Scripture on their behalf to listen and reflect and pray through God's Word and see how the Holy Spirit speaks to you through Scripture, even about this person or maybe leading you in how to pray. Number five, be aware of your own bias and, and motives. Because sometimes, I know this is true for me, but sometimes I can have a real reaction to what's happening in that person's life because it pushes a button of mine, let's say. Or it gets awfully close to a situation that I feel quite passionate about. Whatever it is. We need to be aware, and when we're in that context, that we have our own bias. We carry our own mess of goods, right? And so we've got to be aware of that. So that we don't react inappropriately, or, or or we don't suddenly go off on the wrong or, or you know wrong tangent, or we're we're thinking immediately of this whole situation and it totally like we're transferring what somebody else has, has happened to us. We've got to allow for that to be their situation, their their uh, their reality, and and identify in our own life you know, some of the biases and the motives that we have. Number six, listen lots, talk less. For some of us, that's not a problem. For me, that's a problem. I listen for about 10 minutes. (laughs) And then I get stuck monologuing. But I try to listen lots and talk less. But that's a struggle for some of us who, who talk for a living or just talk all the time. It's a discipline. We need to be people who listen. And that's part of helping people process to listen well and talk less. Number seven, hold your advice lightly. In those times when you are able to speak, you are able to give direction, you are able to help people identify something, hold it lightly. You're offering wisdom, you're you're sharing your experience, you're not commanding, you're not suddenly getting so invested in your advice that that you begin to be upset with the person. Because if you know in the end they're the ones responsible. Um, they're the ones who need to take this. They need to apply it to their lives. They need to make, make decisions. Hold your advice lightly. And then related number, number eight, just related to that, but something a little separate, is that don't let your ego get involved. The reality is, you've got to know, lots of times, and I say this with no cynicism, I say this is just part of life, people aren't going to follow your advice. They might come to you, they might seek advice, but lots of times people are not going to listen. I find that disheartening. I do. But I have to recognize that the Holy Spirit's at work here. And I'm not the one who brings change in people's life. And you're not the one who brings change in people's life. And I don't need to get so invested into my thing or what I said. I need to not let my ego get involved, but let the Holy Spirit work. Number nine, pray for wisdom. Pray for wisdom. Pray with the person who you're talking with for wisdom, but pray for wisdom. And, you know, the brother of Jesus, James, wrote a book. He said, if anyone lacks wisdom, they should do what? Ask God and he'll give it to them. Freely, liberally, he'll, he gives it. You need to ask for wisdom. And number 10, related to the last list, number 10, offer to walk with people over time not just do a one-off here and there. I mean, sometimes that, that's all that's needed. That's the kind of relationship you have. But, but there might be that person who comes to you and realizes, you know what? I want to walk more closely with this person. This is especially helpful if what the person is trying to seek advice for isn't just a one-time decision, but an ongoing uh, you know, struggle. Maybe, maybe an ongoing um, mental health issue. Maybe an ongoing uh, struggle in their family. Uh, maybe something that, The value of you walking alongside them over time would just be immense for you as well as for them. So, offer if it's if it's the right thing that to to meet again, to to connect, to to walk together in friendship. Any thoughts? Discussion on this? Giving you three lists today. Lots of stuff. Lots of information. Thoughts, Joanne? Yeah. So recognizing what you don't know. And I think that's where the many counselors thing comes in, right? Like, you may come to me and, and it could be part of identifying, I don't know, but I could try to help you maybe find someone else who could, you would have more experience in that area. But it's also recognizing that we ourselves, we, we don't just seek one person. We we have a community around us. And that's where the different experiences and benefits come. Yeah, But being willing to admit, I don't know the answer to this. I don't know what to do. I can pray with you. We can take scripture together. We can find someone else to talk to, but I don't really know. It's very important. Other things you'd add or thoughts you've had on, just anything we've talked about. Terry. I agree with you. Very powerful. Very hard. Probably one of the hardest things. So we need people to walk with us, Terry. Terry. And we need to, I think, especially in our polite Canadian culture, pretty consistently invite people to do that to us. To us, for us, with us. Help us. Yeah, Brooke? Yeah, the tension between, especially, I mean, I do think that's a warning that we have to take very seriously. When, if we're the only ones that think we should go that direction, we better pause. And I, I just think a lot of times we really, really want the tension to go away. So let's just get this decision done. And I think some of the wisest uh, things we can do at that point is slow the process down. When, if your community who knows you and loves you and trusts and you trust is saying something clear to you and you feel the compulsion to do something different, even feeling that God's leading you to something different, my my counsel is you better slow that process down. You, you better invite more people into it. Because that, in my... I, there could be cultural stuff. I get all that. But if you've done some of these things and you've got a cross-section of people who are seeking Scripture and 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 there's a pretty clear division, boy, I, I, you'd have to have a tremendous reason to, to go against that, I think. Uh, and at least you'd have to have a tremendous reason not to wait. Because... Uh, waiting in wisdom, in that tension. Uh, God could be wanting to do something in us, in the midst of that tension, uh, that that we have to be there in order for it to happen. And uh, so, you know, there, there's a bigger conversation there, Brooke, but I think we have to hear that. We have to be willing to trust that the Spirit of God is in the people of God, and that if God really wants us to go a direction that at least there's going to be some in that community who affirm it. Well, this is good conversation. We need to keep it going, but after the service is done. So here's my question. Is there an area of your life where you need to get some good advice? Maybe you're at an age where it's time to make a transition. I'm now talking to those of you who are older. No, I'm serious, though. Because actually, in my experience now, sometimes the most difficult decisions, for example, selling the house and moving into Crestview or getting a helper at home or or doing some of those... Now I'm talking to those of you who are elders. Sometimes getting good advice at that point is something that gets really resisted, quite frankly. Maybe you need to make a transition and you need to get some good advice... Maybe it's an area of finances. Maybe it's in your parenting or in your marriage. Maybe it's in your health. Maybe you're feeling a full-time calling to ministry. I don't know what it is, but is there an area that you can identify in your life that you need to get some good advice? Can you identify it? And my question is, what are you going to do this week to take a step toward that? Who are you going to call? Who are you going to set up a meeting with? What? <laughs> Ghostbusters, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Who are you going to call? So, what are you going to do this week to, to make a movement on that? If you know you need the good advice, if you've maybe even, you know, maybe you've even identified why you've resisted getting that good advice, because I know all the tricks for that one. Uh, you know, if you, you finally think, i got to do something. Let me tell you this. If there's an area in your life that you've needed good advice, and especially if it's an area you've been resisting it, but today is your day, make a move on it before the day ends, okay? Send that email or Facebook message. Phone that person. Talk to them at coffee time. Make the brave step to at least say, I want to talk to you. I need good advice. You know, even if you just have to mumble something incoherent, at the end of the service, but they know what you mean is I'm overcoming all this resistance to getting good advice. And you just look them in the eyes and they'll know this person needs advice. (laughs) Whatever you need to do today, do it, okay? I, I, I just, I don't know how to, please, do it. So, think in your mind, what's that area that you need good advice on? And if you're willing today, we want to pray for you. If there's an area in your life, you do not need to say this out loud, but if there's an area of your life that you know I need some good advice on it and I want to move ahead on that. I want to I want to start this week, uh, this week, nothing. Today, I want to make that first step to getting good advice. If you are here today and you can say, I know there's an area I need good advice on and I'm going to do something about it, I want to invite you to stand up and we're going to pray for you. Stand up and we're going to pray for you. Do not be shy. Do I need to do the all eyes closed, heads bowed thing? No, just stand up, because guess what? We all need good advice at different times. And if it's not you this week, it's going to be you next month, okay? So if you need good advice, stand up. Parenting, finances, uh, your walk with Jesus, how to read the Bible, whatever it is. If you need good advice, stand up. Making a transition in life, wondering about moving somewhere, wondering about quitting your job, wondering about quitting your marriage. What, what is it that you need advice on? In your mind, stand up we're going to pray for you. Anyone else? Going to stand up? Good. Anyone else? Okay. We're going to pray for everyone who's standing. Bye, Logan. Let's pray together. Jesus, you are the one in whom all the hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge reside. And you are present here today. And you see those of us who have stood as an act of faith or maybe an act of overcoming the resistance of identifying that there's an area in their lives where they need to seek good advice. And so we ask, in confidence that you would pour out your wisdom into their lives, that you would give them relationships with others, with friends, with people they haven't even met yet. Maybe they're going to meet them today. Maybe they're going to meet them this week. But that you would walk with each one, that they would receive the good counsel that comes from you, from your community, from your word, by your Holy Spirit. I pray that you would give each of them the um, confidence, as well as the... um, courage to just do whatever they need to do to get the ball rolling today. Make the call. Initiate that conversation. Send that message. Whatever it is today that they need to do, I pray that you give them the courage and confidence to do that. Lord Jesus, all of us want to be people of wisdom. And so in humility we ask that you pour your wisdom into our lives, that we would take you seriously, we would take your word seriously, and we'd live that out. We bless you for the wisdom you pour into our lives May we as your people, with courage and conviction, follow through on where you're calling us to go. In your name we pray. Amen. Will you all stand? So, based upon good advice, we can then make good plans. Right? And so next week, we have got a treat. Can I say that? Because you're going to hear a message next week on making good plans and Maddie McBlain is going to be giving us that message. It's a tremendous message from God's Word and she's got awesome stuff to say and so you will not want to miss this. If you want to skip other Sundays when I'm preaching, too bad for you, but but, but you don't want to miss next week, okay? So Maddie's going to be sharing with us how to make good plans directly out of the Proverbs and that's going to continue, I think, from today if we bring these two together and uh, see God's wisdom poured into our community and into our lives. Well, go with the grace of the Lord Jesus today. May you be filled with wisdom so that together we can walk in wisdom the way that God is leading us to walk. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, be blessed today. Amen. God bless.